It's nine o'clock. Good morning, I'm Pat Murphy. Good evening, it's five o'clock. I'm Sheila Nocton. Good afternoon, it's three o'clock. I'm Paul Carroll. Good afternoon, it's four o'clock. I'm Katie O'Donovan. Familiar voices there. That is our wonderful news team here at Tip FM. And you're very welcome along to the news review for 2022 on the 27th of December with me, Sheila Nocton. So I hope that you have turkey coming out your ears at this point. And my favourite, the Brussels sprouts, were enjoyable. So this was my first year as head of news here in the Premier County. And what an eventful year. There have been some massive stories, both fortunately and unfortunately, that have come to us here in Tip. And over the next hour, I'm going to take a look back at the year in news for 2022. I go first to the news that has underpinned most of this year. So just as things were starting to calm after COVID, news rang out in late February that blasts and sirens were being heard in Ukraine. A wave of concern pretty much passed over the entire globe and everyone was wondering what Russia were going to do next. But I don't think that we ever realised it was going to come to Tipperary. Here's how the Ukrainian war has been felt closer to home. Explosions and warning sirens have been heard this morning in some of Ukraine's major cities after Russia's president ordered a military operation into the eastern part of the country. Vladimir Putin claims his orders will protect people in breakaway regions. He says have been subject to bullying and genocide. He's warned other nations not to intervene. The Ukrainian president has advised people to stay home as much as possible. The Russian president made the announcement in a TV address. The international communities responded to Mr Putin's move with condemnation. US President Joe Biden says the world will hold Russia accountable. EU leaders are also going to hold crisis talks to discuss further sanctions on Moscow has said that Russia's invasion of the Ukraine is an outrageous moral breach of international law. Michal Martin said that EU leaders will meet later to adopt the most severe package of sanctions against Russia that has ever been considered. The expulsion of the Russian ambassador from Ireland hasn't been ruled out with the Taoiseach saying such a decision would be made at EU level but it's clear that Russia has lied to the world. In the Dáil, Tánis Dalí said the Russian parliament, banks and oligarchs will be targeted by sanctions. Ireland is militarily neutral. But in this conflict, Ireland is not neutral at all. Uh, Our support for Ukraine is unwavering. Meetings are also underway in government this afternoon to waive visa requirements for Ukrainian citizens coming into Ireland. Around 70 Irish citizens remain in Ukraine. They're being advised to shelter in place and to consider leaving the country if it's safe to do so. Meanwhile, Ukrainians living in Ireland right up until this morning were hoping that the situation wouldn't escalate to a full-blown invasion. Andre is from the Ukraine and has been living in Feathered for the past 20 years. He told Tip today that he found out what was happening from a middle-of-the-night phone call from his family and the situation is very volatile. As old people, I went to the bed without knowing anything what can happen next morning and I got one call from my, my brother at 3 o'clock in the morning here and I just been hurt. That's what had happened back home. And since then, I'm just in front of the TV and just on the internet all the time and just listening and watching this. So it's unbelievable. Even yesterday, I was hoping, and like most of, of the Ukrainian people, it won't go as far as it went at the moment. Cabinet subcommittee will meet this evening to discuss the state's plan to accommodate tens of thousands of Ukrainian people who are fleeing war at home. It comes as the Justice Minister travels to Brussels today to discuss activating a temporary protection directive which would grant short-term residency to Ukrainian nationals displaced within the EU. Locally, a guest house in Feathered will be raising money for medical supplies in Ukraine this weekend. Clonacody House will be hosting a coffee morning on Saturday between 10 and 4, where people can donate funds or medical supplies. The UN estimates that 874,000 refugees have fled Ukraine in the past couple of days, and it includes more than 450,000 that have crossed the border into Poland. Meanwhile, the Tipperary-born honorary consul to the Russian Federation has resigned his post. Thurlis-born John Hannafin has held the position since 2015. The former Fianna Fáil senator told Tip FM this afternoon that while it has been a privilege to work with Russian citizens and promote the economic, social and cultural ties, he can no longer remain as honorary consul because of the invasion of Ukraine. John Hannafin says that no conflict is worth a human life and we have to preserve and protect human life at all times. He has called for an immediate cessation of the conflict and immediate peace talks. And people are being asked to don the blue and gold next Friday evening to show Tipperary support for people in Ukraine. A demonstration against the Russian invasion of Ukraine is being held in Nina's Vanba Square in a show of solidarity.
Government sources have said that a number of Ukrainian refugees coming to Ireland may be well beyond 20,000 predicted by Minister Simon Coveney. They say that figures are incredibly hard to estimate and work is underway to establish where they'll be housed. Taoiseach Michal Martin says that people may be asked to volunteer their homes. It will be at a scale and at a level that we will require volunteers um, and, and, and people in civil society uh, to work with us uh, to help uh, people of Ukraine who may come here. People of Feathered have rode in to welcome a number of families fleeing the war. Major efforts have gone into modifying the former convent in the town to house the refugees who have been arriving over the last week. The accommodation will be run by the Feathered Daycare Centre Committee. Chairperson Liam Hayes says that it was very much a community effort. It's absolutely bothering on, on the miraculous what has happened. Uh, the whole community have come together, all the women's groups, they pulled out all the stops. The whole project then within the convent to revamp it and to make it safe and fit for purpose that was piloted by Coolmore and, and their expert craftspeople. But they also pulled in other local craftspeople who offered their time free of charge. And the whole Feathers community uh, were, were involved from the very start. Most recent intake of refugees in Littleton are due to move out this week. 52 Ukrainians were welcomed to the facility on Thursday on a temporary basis and started to move out yesterday. The council is currently assessing pledges of accommodation made by local residents, ensuring that there is safety for all parties involved. Meanwhile, a Tipperary TD has reiterated his call for a cap to be put on the number of Ukrainian refugees which Ireland takes in. Just over 28,500 people fleeing the war-torn country have arrived in Ireland so far, according to the Department of Justice. Matthew McGrath says that many services here are already at breaking point and speaking on tip today earlier he said that these would be tipped over the edge if we take in too many people fleeing from the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We must cut our clock on the measure. We can't just uh, cut in hundreds of thousands of, of, of people. We can't look after the ones who are here. I'm not saying we shouldn't. We'll begin a limited number. Look after them. We'll have to draw 30,000. Yes, of course. Our country yeah. is a small country. Look at all the problems we have ourselves. Over 5.5 million Ukrainians are believed to have fled the country since the war began. Local Fine Gael Senator Garrett Ahern says that talk of Ireland putting a cap on the numbers we take in is not acceptable. We are a country who pride ourselves on opening our arms, welcoming people from all nations into our country. And this is a time when we can do it, when people are leaving the worst atrocity that they could ever be inflicted upon them. And then we're talking about putting a cap on people coming in. Could you imagine 10 years ago when, when loads of people were leaving Ireland, going to the UK, going to Canada, going to Australia, and those countries started putting a cap on Irish people going in? Like, what would Matthew's response be to that? A leading endocrinologist has told Tip FM we must stop taking in Ukrainian refugees or no one will get proper medical treatment. Dr Mary Ryan, consultant at Barrington's Hospital Limerick and Aut Even in Kilkenny, says that there are already major delays in screenings and treatment for cancer as a result of COVID and the refugee crisis is compounding it. Speaking to Tip today, she said the doctors on the ground can see there is no more capacity with many services already in need of additional resources. She was strong in her view that until we can manage what we have, there needs to be a pause on the number of Ukrainian refugees we accept. Dr Ryan believes that many people in the medical field are of this view but afraid to say it. We are welcoming the refugees and we've been very good to them. All I'm saying is that we need to just take a breather and do the helicopter view on what we have at the moment and how we can look after all of those citizens, Irish, Ukrainians, all of Syrians, everyone else that's come in you know, in, in the proper manner because we're already so far behind before we take more in. I really think we need to do that. I didn't agree with Michal Martin when he was saying we have to keep coming because I can see services stretched. I'm the doctor, I can see this. Tipperary Fianna Fáil TD Jackie Cahill has been informed by the Department of Foreign Affairs that he is included on Vladimir Putin's travel ban list. More than 50 Irish politicians and officials have been banned from entering Russia. The Thurlis TD told Tip today that he won't be losing any sleep over it. <laughs> I didn't think I was that important anywhere, Fran, but um, uh, I don't know. I would have been at the protest outside the Russian embassy there at the start of the war in Ukraine. And I suppose I'm chairman of the Joint Directors Committee on, on Agriculture and the Dawes. Is this of concern to you, Jackie? Actually, not really, Fran. It just shows the complete intolerance of Russia and, you know, trying to deny free speech. But personally, being, being on a list of being banned to go to Russia, that, doesn't, that won't keep me away tonight. Unfortunately, much like COVID, it doesn't seem that that story is going to remain a 2022 story either. But I suppose the conclusion, that's something that nobody can predict yet.
Now, in June, a small village saw its name shoot into local and national headlines that was following a grim and shocking discovery at a rural home in South Tipperary. There was immense grief felt in Cluneen when the bodies of 81-year-old Nicholas Smith and his 79-year-old wife, Hilary, were found having died around 18 months prior. That was during the height of COVID. Here I'm going to bring you that story from the morning after as details slowly began to emerge. A couple in their 70s may have been dead for up to a year before being discovered yesterday afternoon in Tipperary. Their bodies were found at a house in Cluneen between Feathered and Mulnahone, but no foul play is expected. The alarm was raised by local residents who hadn't seen the couple for a long time. The couple whose bodies were found in Cluneen on Monday have been named. Gardaí now believe that the two bodies found in South Tipperary lay undiscovered for over 18 months. The remains of 81-year-old Nicholas Smith and his 79-year-old wife Hilary were discovered in their remote bungalow on Monday. Their post-mortem exams were inconclusive yesterday and Gardaí are now hoping that toxicology reports will establish how they died. Southern correspondent with the Irish Times Barry Roach says that investigators have established approximately when the English couple died. They believe they may have died in either December, November or December 2020 and laying undiscovered at their bungalow at Rasan, some five, five, four kilometres from Clanine village near Feathered for over 18 months. They're basing that on an examination of some of the material, of some of the items found at the house, including cartons of milk in the fridge and other perishable goods that date from that period. So that's their belief that they died sometime around. Local independent TD Matty McGrath says that residents are numbed following the news of the discovery of a quiet, unassuming couple. The whole community of South Tipperary and indeed Clownine, Monmahone, and the before of the there are numbed uh, to think of such a tragedy in their area. You know, a quite unassuming couple, you know, people didn't interact much with them. They didn't, that's the way they wished to be. Now, what they're, what Gardaí are said to be investigating are a number of theories. Mm. Just to bring you a few of them. One of them is that the couple may have died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Now, that is one line of inquiry that's been taken. From yes. what we understand, uh, one of the bodies was found in a bedroom, another was found in another part of the house. So carbon monoxide is one line of inquiry, another is COVID, because what we know is that one of the couple did have an underlying health condition. Also remember that this happened at around the height of COVID, mm. so... Hmm. They're investigating maybe did COVID play some role in this. What we also have learned as well from yesterday is during investigations, and what's interesting about it is that Gardaí have been using food around the house to try and determine uh, when this couple died because that's been a huge question mark since those bodies were found on Monday afternoon just after 4pm. Now, what they've determined is from best before dates on food around the house. And what they've determined from that is that the couple died sometime around late November or early December in 2020. What they're also looking at then is, is two more lines of inquiry, which could be double suicide or murder suicide. Now, I know that Gardaí will be conducting searches of the area. Now, a technical examination, of course, has been taking place at the home itself over the past couple of days. But that search will now be widened to the area around the house. Now, I described the area that it, uh, it was situated in yesterday. A rural enough area, still a number of houses on that road, not completely isolated, but it is dominated mostly by farmland. So all that land and, and the area around it will be searched today as part of the investigation. So it has to be said, Garthi are keeping an open mind in relation to this. Um, they're exploring all avenues. And why the, the, the double suicide or the murder suicide theory is now being investigated is because there are reports that the gentleman involved in this, Nicholas Smith, reportedly, the speculation is that he paid a neighbour to keep the grass cut and he paid him what's reported to be in the region of 500 euro and told him keep the grass cut until the money runs out. So that would indicate um, some kind of, um, I suppose, uh, intention that he knew mm. he wasn't going to be there. Gardine now believe that
two bodies found in the remote bungalow could have been there since November or December 2020. This is based on some of the items that were found at the house, such as food, milk and other perishable goods, with best before dates going back to that year. The couple at the centre of this incident were named late last night as 81-year-old Nicholas Smith and 79-year-old Hilary, his wife. Post-mortem exams were carried out in Waterford yesterday, but they came back inconclusive and Gardaí are now hoping that toxicology reports will establish how they died. It has been reported to Tip FM that there are a number of lines of inquiry being followed, including carbon monoxide poisoning, COVID, double suicide and murder-suicide. The latter is reportedly being investigated after someone told Gardaí they were paid by Nicholas Smith to cut the grass until the money ran out. Today, local Gardaí are widening their search and are at the house from this morning carrying out searches of the fields surrounding the house. Gardaí are appealing for anyone with information to come forward or to anyone who may have spoken to the couple at that time. Our reporter Jodie Coffey is in Clonine and has this report from the scene. I'm at the house of Nicholas and Hilary Smith, whose bodies were discovered by Gardaí on Monday evening. I have been told that there is approximately 8 to 10 Gardaí carrying out a search on the property and that it is being surveilled 24-7 as investigations continue. It is known that the couple were quite private and that they didn't interact much with the community, so many locals in the area were reluctant to speak on the record, many due to the fact that they did not know the couple personally. Some said it was too soon. It is clear, though, that there is a sense of shock and grieving in the community as Gardaí investigations continue. Response to the tragic deaths of Nicholas and Hilary Smith, Seesaw's founder Joe Leahy is offering counselling services to the local residents of Clonine. Councillor Mark Fitzgerald was contacted by the Seesaw founder and told Tip today that he has concerns about the portrayal of Clonine in the media and urged the locals to take advantage of the supports being extended. While admitting that the past few days have been difficult, Councillor Fitzgerald is confident that the neighbourhood will come back stronger. He's reached out and he said they will be there to support anyone in Clunine. And I know people mightn't want to engage with what they might think is a stranger. People don't, sometimes don't realise how important it is to have people like that there as a listening service and a support service. Mm-hmm. And just needs to be highlighted that for anyone in the area and even people who may have never even heard tell of this couple or met this couple, or, uh, such a sad situation like this might ignite something that's ha- hard that's happened to them in their past. God knows it's been a hard few days. We are a great community and, and, and we'll, we'll come back stronger out of this. Gardaí have extended their search for information about the deceased elderly Tipperary couple to Australia. 81-year-old Nicholas Smith and his 79-year-old wife Hilary were found dead in Clonine this week. Officers are satisfied Mr Smith died of natural causes but are still waiting for conclusive results on his wife. A researching company says they only had a hunch to go on when trying to find the next of kin of a couple in Tipperary who passed away. Nicholas Smith and his wife Hilary were found dead at their home in Clonine after not being seen in the area for 18 months. The couple were originally from the UK and had very few close friends and relatives here in Ireland. Podrick Grennan is from Erin Research, which works to alert the next of kin in the event of a tragic death. He managed to get in touch with relatives by using just their birth certificates. The challenge we had here was that we didn't have the exact dates of birth of each individual. But really at that stage you're working off a hunch. The dates of birth have been verified to us since, so our hunch as it transpired was correct. And with that then we managed to track then the nearest next of kin of each individual. And while obviously a very sad story, we hear there that there was some form of closure that they found the next of kin of both Nicholas and Hillary. Now, it wouldn't be a news review without some politicking and we were not left short here this year. Only a couple of hours after Alan Kelly appeared on Tip Today, urging solidarity with those in Ukraine, news began to emerge that evening that the Labour leader was being ousted from his role. Some went as far as calling this a political assassination. This is how it went. Labour leader Alan Kelly is expected to resign this evening. Tensions within the party have boiled over in recent days, with Mr Kelly expected to make an announcement this evening. Political correspondent Sean Defoe reports. Sources have confirmed Labour leader Alan Kelly intends to step down this evening. The exact reason for the timing of his departure remains unclear, though there has been unhappiness with his leadership style in the parliamentary party for some time. The failure to see any significant increase in the polls for the Labour party since he took over is another factor. Kelly was elected Labour leader in April 
April 2020 when he beat Dublin Bay North TD Aon O'Reardon to the post. Kelly rang supporters of his within the party last night to inform them of his decision. A process for selecting his replacement is yet to be put in place with the parliamentary party due to meet. O'Reardon and TD Ivana Batchik are considered among the frontrunners. Alan Kelly is denied members of his parliamentary party were working against him from the start of his time as Labour leader. The temporary deputy resigned last night, having lost the confidence of his TDs and senators. Kelly said he would have appreciated being given the chance to lead the party into an election. and He was surprised by the move against him. But the Bordeaux native admitted the party hadn't made progress over the last two years. I've made my share of mistakes in politics, in life. I've made my share of mistakes as party leader. I haven't always made the right decisions. But I've always done what was in the best interests of those who I worked with and my party. Our political correspondent, Sean Defoe, says Alan Kelly may have reason to feel hard done by. As Alan Kelly pointed out last night, Labour ran five elections in his time as leader and won them all. Four Shannon seats and a Dáil by-election win for Ivana Batchik, who may well now replace him. He didn't last even two years in the job, didn't get a shot at a local election or even a European election. Some sources I spoke to last night said Covid made his job of reinvigorating the party harder and felt that some in the parliamentary party who never wanted him as leader in the first place were working against him from the start. Kelly denied this strongly last night, stopping during the press conference to shake Aon reared on hand specifically and saying his support had been unwavering. Kelly paused multiple times during his resignation speech to hold back tears. He's a man who thought he had more time in a job that he'd craved for years, but in the end he spent far longer looking to become Labour leader than he did in the hot seat. On the Times today, a Bacic uh, favoured to become next Labour leader. The Dublin Bay South TD, Ivana Bacic, is being tipped as the firm favourite to become the next Labour uh, Party TD following the shock resignation of Alan Kelly um, last night. Fallout from Alan Kelly's shock resignation as leader of the Labour Party continues. The Port Road native announced that he was stepping down last night after just two years at the helm of the party, which was founded in Clonmel in 1912. Tip FM's Pat Murphy reports. A political assassination is how one journalist has described Alan Kelly's departure as leader of the Labour Party. The Tipperary TD announced his resignation on the plinth of Leinster House last evening, surrounded by many of the people who had pushed him from the position. Political editor of the Irish Times, Pat Leahy, says despite the poor opinion polls for Labour, the decision to step down was a surprise. Speaking on Tip Today earlier, he said the Port Roman's support was in the grassroots of Labour rather than the parliamentary party. I have no sense that that support for him had significantly diminished in the grassroots of the party. And I wonder what might have happened if he had dug in his heels and refused to go and throwing the matter back to the the party grassroots, but, you know, we'll never know. But it's certainly, even by the standards of politics, it's pretty brutal. Mm. It's a pretty brutal assassination. And I find it hard to see a turnaround in Labour's fortunes. The feeling among those grassroots members of the party in TIP would echo Pat Leahy's comments. Mags is a member of the Labour Party in North TIP. She says there's very much an urban-rural divide in the party. The urban were not able to deal with the guy from the rural Tipperary who ends up with the big ideas to put Labour back where it should be, where it should be, where it deserves to be. Alan has had it hard from the very beginning, let's not forget that. Alan was handed a poisonous gallop with the water charges. He took it on, he did his best. He has suffered for, for it since then. But let's not forget, Alan Kelly has never failed to be elected because he is the life and soul of the Labour Party. Fiona Bonfield is the only Labour member of Tipperary County Council at the moment. She told Tip FM News that she, like many others, was shocked by Alan Kelly's announcement. However, she's confident that he will be re-elected at the next general election if he decides to stand. I've been in Nina all morning there, you know, in the office and stuff. Just the reaction around here locally, I have to say people are in shock. They're dismayed as what has happened, the way it has happened. And to be honest with you, I think he'll always have the support here locally, no matter what. You know, um, I think people around this area have admired him for what he's done over the last number of years. You know, politics is a dirty game. Anybody that enters it will tell you. Um, And sometimes, you know, you can't always, there is tough decisions to be made at times. Because I suppose uh, my colleagues for a number of weeks have been expressing concerns about where we're going and what we're doing, and I appreciate that, friend. You, um, you know, you're you're in politics. You have a sense of these things, um, and uh, they approached me early this week and said that 
didn't have the collective uh, support of, of them and to be honest which I accepted it straight away um, look I suppose Fran I have a very unusual situation I, I became a leader during the pandemic and I stayed a leader during the pandemic it was a very strange place to be operating in politically um, there was only one topic for two years uh, coronavirus and how we're going to deal with it I think um, as when the Taoiseach rang me um, yesterday morning you know, he expressed his thanks that, you know, I always put the country first um, and ensured that uh, in any way I could help being reasonable, I did it. I think he said that publicly as well. Um, and it was very difficult to do, you know, opposition politics during that two years. So that's the first reason. Um, the second reason is very simple. Stats, polls. Um, polls, we weren't rising in them. Um, you know, there were static and uh, my own satisfaction rating wasn't wasn't bad but the party poll numbers were were, were, were stagnant and uh, I suppose the third reason you know you do come to realisation that uh, as a party I was a member of a government in 2011-2016 um, I think we did fantastic work I think as a government that we'll get on in history of saving the country financially but you know from a party perspective I think it's time we moved on from that and I think that was a, a fairly very significant factor that was referenced to me by my colleagues as well Ivana Batchik has been confirmed as the new leader of the Labour Party nominations for the position have closed with the Dublin Bay South TD the only name put forward she takes over from Tipperary TD Alan Kelly after he announced his resignation earlier this month Staying with politics but this time it surrounds our county's various health services now UHL couldn't escape the headlines with Stephen Donnelly grilled by Fran Curry in an interview that made it to primetime not to mention visits by former HSC boss Paul Reid now Tonisha Micheál Martin and a fight in Ross Grey over the Dean Maxwell services. Here's a roundup of some of those stories. The decision to reconfigure hospitals for the area servicing Tipperary clearly isn't working, according to the Health Minister. Stephen Donnelly was speaking today about the situation at UHL as he opened the new Women's Health Hub at Nina Hospital. Tip FM's Sheila Nocton has this report. That is completely unacceptable. It's not a level of health care that anyone should say is an acceptable level of health care not acceptable for any patient. It's also not acceptable for our healthcare workers. There's no doctor or nurse or healthcare assistant or physiotherapist ever wants to be treating people in that way. Minister Stephen Donnelly there reacting to a story from a Tipperary caller who witnessed older patients soiling themselves and was told that she would have to be examined on the floor due to a lack of space at University Hospital Limerick. The health minister is in the county today to officially launch two healthcare facilities and meet staff and patients in both Nina Hospital and the Assumption in Thurlis. This comes just days after the damning report from HICWA on the situation and conditions at UHL which the minister described Tip FM as unacceptable. He recounted a recent trip to the facility but when asked by the station if you witness the chaos that's been reported in the emergency department. He refused to describe it in that way, stating that it was also a challenging position for the staff, who he says are tired of apologising to patients. Minister Donnelly acknowledged that the reconfiguration wasn't working, but wouldn't be drawn on whether he felt it was a failure. He says the whole system needs to be addressed and didn't feel that reopening an A&E in Nina was the answer. The issue is this. Nina has less than 60 beds and it is a, it has a limited number of specialties and modern healthcare as we know is very specialist so if you if any of us if any of your listeners have something wrong with them or several things wrong with them and they need to be brought in in a car or they need to be brought in in an ambulance they need access and the doctors treating them need access to a lot of different specialties and what you don't want is you don't want to find yourself in a hospital with a limited number of specialties Minister Donnelly will now make his way to Thurless to the primary care centre due to open in the coming weeks. Mr Reid feels that a multi-annual report is needed and that the solution to the crisis at UHL is not easy to solve. It is obvious that we need to strengthen the capacity of those, um, of Ennis and Nina as well, uh, because they are dealing with increased presentations. In a way, it's a good thing because people are using these uh, minor injury units uh, much better and they are an excellent facility. Um, but we do need to support the resourcing that goes into there. It's, it's not easy to resource and recruit. It, there is a worldwide demand on for healthcare staff, and we do see a solution being to enhance the capacity in, in the minor injury units as well.
We're talking about uh, healthcare here, and while this is fantastic, this facility, we still have capacity issues at UH. They're asking people not to come to the ED over the last two weeks. UHL topping the list of people on trolleys. What's the long-term solution in Tipperary and the Midwest in terms of healthcare? The long-term solution is community and primary care, actually. Um, I don't mean that in any facetious way. That, that is the long-term future, with obviously acute care and, and the right treatment in the right location. Prevention is very, very important. There's a lot we can do outside of hospitals, basically, that were done in hospitals historically. And a lot of what's going on in there, in the previous era, would be going on, would have been going on in hospitals. Uh, we do need to increase, continue to increase capacity in hospitals for those who need um, acute care at a tertiary level. Uh, we have done that. We have increased capacity. There is a significant overhang from COVID-19. That, unfortunately, is continuing um, because when people are identified in hospitals as having COVID, then your isolation um, has to come into play. A whole range of logistics has to happen, which basically reduces your capacity in the hospitals, um, impacts upon the flow through the hospital. We just discussed in there with the home care service. This region seems to be doing very well in the home care package area. I think it was 400,000 um, the, the packages they organised from within here across the Midwest. That's vital in terms of both discharge from hospital and preventing people from going into hospital in the first uh, instance. So it's a, it's a, we, we must stop sort of separating out the acute from the primary care system and the community enhanced, you know, the enhanced community care program, uh, because they're all integrated. Uh, the more we can do outside. The, 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 we, we reduce pressures on, on the hospitals um, and recruitment is continuing to be an issue we've recruited thousands of people but it continues to be an issue within health services globally and within Europe um, and it's very very competitive and we are recruiting on all fronts in respect of the various um, professionals uh, in, in, in the healthcare service We still are fighting for our long term stay beds but at least this morning we got a commitment that D Maxwell has a future there will be respite beds and, and uh, a greenfield dementia unit. We, we will bank that commitment from the Minister and continue to work and um, to try and secure long-term beds. The Taoiseach will mediate a meeting tomorrow about the future of the Dean Maxwell between ministers and the Ross Grey Action Group. Earlier this month, Deputy Michael Larry called on Micheál Martin to step in in a bid to resolve the situation to the satisfaction of locals who have expressed strong opposition to relocating long-stay care from the Dean Maxwell to a new facility in Mina. Deputy Larry says that they are hopeful of some positive answers tomorrow after two weeks of groundwork in preparation during which the HSC agreed to look at options. The HSC have been very obstinate and have completely been dismissive. They've been dismissive of our request for long stay beds to be part of any future plan for Dean Maxwell. So the first priority is to retain Dean Maxwell. The second priority is to ensure that the quality and level of services that are currently provided will continue to be provided in Ross Grey and as part of that uh, there will be an insistence on my part that the long-stay beds will be part of that overall plan. The future of long-term care at the Dean Maxwell Community Nursing Home in Ross Grey is secure, according to Deputy Michael Larry. The commitment follows a meeting with Taoiseach Micheál Martin in relation to the HSC plans to relocate many of the services to a new unit in Nina. Among those in attendance were Ministers Stephen Donnelly and Mary Butler, together with officials from the Department of Health, while from the Ross Grey side, members of the local committee were joined by a number of of local politicians. Deputy Larry says that the Taoiseach's intervention was extremely helpful in getting the HSE to revise their proposals. We received a commitment that an overall service plan was prepared and developed to cater for all aspects of elderly care in Ross Grey, not just from the Taoiseach and the Minister, but also from the HSE, that that plan will include the provision of long-stay beds there was some fun this year, though, when it came in the form of a royal visit to Cashelin Care. Now, little did we know when we welcomed Prince Charles and Camilla, we were looking at the now king playing the bow run. Now, it was a joyous occasion, whether you cared for the royals or not. There was no denying the atmosphere all around the county that day. And we took you along with us as we followed the royal couple. Care is all set for the arrival of the British royals this morning as excitement is starting to build. The Prince of Wales and Duchess of Cornwall will be visiting Care Castle, the farmer's market and meeting community groups before moving on to Cashel. They'll finish the Tipperary visit in Cashel where they'll visit the Brewbaroo Heritage Centre and the Rock of Cashel as well as meeting with local groups. There's a strong Gortha presence around Care. Tip FM's Alison Highland is there. 
She asked these people how they feel about the visit. I think it's going to be good for the town. I think so many people put so much hard work into like the tidy town and everything to having the town looking so well. So I think it's bound to be a good thing. I'm happy they're here, yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's a good thing for the locality and I think it's a good thing for tourism here. And I don't see why they shouldn't be. More hassle. Is More it? hassle, yeah, exactly. For tourism-wise, business-wise, it's going to be great for the town. Put care on the map more. Very hard for them to really with all the security and one thing and another to do an awful lot. Like. It's great to put show care. Why not? It's only for a few hours. As long as they come and buy daffodils, I don't mind. So I'm currently at the Horse and Jockey Hotel here over by, by Carlos. My first time over here and uh, we've just checked in and got security check and uh, like, like an airport here at the moment, getting checked. Is it indeed? And what is the story there? You'll all gather and you'll be brought, I presume, to, to Cashel. Is that the way it is, Sheila? Yeah, I keep comparing it to the Venga bus. We'll all be put <laughs> onto a media bus and be brought to our various locations. I am on the care leg of the tour, so I'll be going to care, which I left this morning to travel to here to check in. Um, and so then they will then move on from there to Cashel. Are you excited about it? Yeah, I am, because they're like, they're famous and all that, so... Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it means for care, for the town of care? Uh, it's very good for care because they are coming to Ireland. So it's very good because they're coming into care. Not in, like They're going all around Ireland, so it's really good. Yes, there is a, a, a big crowd, a well-managed crowd, but a big crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of members of the local tidy towns, a lot of school children, secondary and primary, lots of people from the local shops. Um, and indeed members of the, you know, the OPW, the council, and uh, of course the producers as well who have set up their stalls here from, from early morning. They, they brought the weather with them. They're now coming in. We've got the, the official cars here. Their Camilla has just waved out the window at everybody, so they're shouting. Um, it's actually very exciting, and considering I, I didn't really know what to expect, Fran, it's hard not to... To kind of get wrapped up in it all, but uh, the town looks lovely, and there's real hope that this will do major things for tourism in, in Tipperary and particularly South Tipperary. Very good. And what, when she waved, uh, did she get a reaction from the crowd? Oh, she? she's after getting a bit, a, a bit of a scream all around the kids there. <laughs> <laughs> and can you see Charles there? Can you? I didn't see him, but I do believe that when the Queen travelled here with uh, with Philip. Um, back um, a number of years ago, they travelled in separate cars. So ah. I wonder if that possibly is the case today as well. The headlines, Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall visit a sun-kissed Tipperary. Hopefully we'll have a knock-on effect that, like was when the Queen visited in 2011 in terms of tourism and business. Locals joined in the welcome for the royal couple. Delighted I was able to shake his hand. Didn't think I'd get that near. So it's absolutely brilliant. And the day is beautiful. Prince Charles and Camilla, the Duchess of York, are on the final leg of their visit to the sunny southeast of Ireland. Tip FM's Sheila Nocton joins us now live from Cashel. Thanks, Pat. So I'm now in Cashel, and this is the final stop before the Royal Couple head for the airport. Camilla has just met Minister Catherine Martin before heading into the Brew Baru Centre here, and a friendly wave to the media as she went by. Uh, this is a much calmer affair here by the Rock of Cashel, retracing the steps, of course, of the Queen on her visit here. The streets of Cashel were lined with people as we went by and a speech is due to be delivered in the next few minutes so I'm about to head in with the rest of the media to see that. An exciting morning and a great day for Tipperary, a very welcome day coming after the last difficult two years with COVID. We've been told that the media will not get to ask the couple themselves any questions but we will hear from the Minister shortly. Sheila Nocton, Tip FM News in Cashel. Cahir look of Tipperary County Council Marie Murphy is hoping that the spin-off from the latest royal visit will be felt locally. Hopefully we'll have a knock-on effect that, like was when the Queen visited in 2011 in terms of tourism and business and care is open for business, so is Cashel and we'll have uh, that there's plenty to do in the area between Care Castle and the Swiss Cottage, fabulous inch field over there. Um, it's just a fantastic location and um, we need to just get it out there and tell people all about the fabulous town that is Care. Tip FM's Alison Highland was in Care this morning and spoke with these people about how much they enjoy the royal visit. We weren't expecting to get this far and as I say we didn't care 
until we got here and then we really cared and all we wanted to do was see him so it was great it was, it's great for the town the town looks amazing there's been so much work and effort put in in the last few days and just to put a spotlight and care it's such a brilliant place you know we yes just where we're skiving off work which we are aren't we Suzanne we are we are we yeah. just mentioned we're from Clare Credit Union and we were delighted to be here and to meet him delighted to be here and as I say put a spotlight on our wonderful town you know just to get people looking in our direction yeah, it's, it's marvellous that he yes. came along both of them they came like they shook hands shook with every one of us yeah it was absolutely yeah. fantastic oh, delighted so friendly lovely yeah. we thought we'd be seeing him say 50 yards away Prince Charles and Camilla have concluded their visit to Ireland and have now left Tipperary. The visit finished up this afternoon in Cashel, where they met with various groups and enjoyed entertainment at Brew Brew Heritage Centre. Tip FM's Sheila Nocton was there. And thus concludes the visit of Prince Charles and Camilla to Tipperary. They left the Brew Brew to a flurry of Irish music and applause, following parting words of sympathy to the family of Ashling Murphy, who were requested by the couple to join today in Cashel and have a private meeting. To look back on the day, the future King and Queen of Britain arrived in Care at 11 this morning to cheers from local school children and were shown around the farmer's market. Some of the producers included Cashel Farmhouse Cheese, Inch House Pudding, the Clonmel Bakery where the Prince proceeded to buy some of the local soda bread and the My Granola and Nutshed producers. After sampling crisps, bread and cheesecake, they were shown around Care Castle and met some of the local representatives and TDs as well as local woman Nora Quirk, who was celebrating her 97th birthday and said it was a big day for her as she never thought she'd meet a prince. One of the standout moments was when Prince Charles picked up a baron and proceeded to join in with the musicians. And then it was on to Cashel, where Irish-Welsh-style trumpets welcomed the couple while they went inside the cathedral. Her Royal Highness met local author Martin Quinn and was presented with a copy of his book, Tipperary People of Great Note. After a performance of traditional music, dancing and singing, His Royal Highness gave a speech during which he expressed his love for Ireland, the traditions here, the need to strengthen our connections, and finally he spoke about the need to end gender-based violence against women, something he said Camilla had called for back in Britain. While their visit to Tipperary is over for this year, by all accounts, the Prince of Wales and Duchess of Cornwall hope to return and see more of the counties in Ireland. And with the knowledge that they'll now get from their new book on tip people, we shouldn't be surprised if they choose to return to the premiere again. Finally, it would be really hard to talk about news stories of the year without talking about the devastating passing of rising Tipperary hurling star Dylan Quirk. He died suddenly as he played in his county stadium for his home club. Now, as journalists, we always try to remain impartial when covering a story, but I don't think that anyone could have remained untouched by this. So, to finish our year in review, we again pay tribute to the life of Dylan Quirk. The entire county and country is in shock this morning following the tragic passing of Tipperary senior hurler Dylan Quirk. The 24-year-old passed away on Friday evening after suddenly falling ill dur- during a hurling match. The talented hurler was lining out for his club, Clonalty Ross Moore, as they played Killer One McDonagh's in the Tipperary Senior Hurling Championship. After being attended to on the field, he was brought to Tipperary University Hospital in Clonmel, where he passed away. Following this tragic news, the Tipperary CCC has decided to call off all games under its jurisdiction this weekend. Taoiseach Micheál Martin has led the tributes to Tipperary hurler Dylan Quirk. President Michael D. Higgins said in a statement that it's a loss to his entire community. The Clownty Ross Moore clubman fell ill during a senior hurling county championship match last night. The 24-year-old was later pronounced dead in hospital in Clonmel. Sinn Féin TD for Tipperary, Martin Brown, says the county is still in shock. Unbelievable, I suppose, when you consider a chap that's involved in a county team and full of life, full fitness, and they have such tragic circumstances yesterday evening. It's numbness and shock that's in the area here. And a vigil in Dylan's memory will be held at Clonalty Ross Moore GA grounds at quarter past eight this evening. Just the community in complete and utter shock. There's no doubt since war broke last night, people are in shock, but they're coming together and just are supporting each other the best they possibly can. But it's very difficult for, for all involved. Lovely lad who just wants to be around. A right rogue and an example to younger players. These were the words used to describe Dylan Quirk by Clonalty Rossmore Club chairman and Dylan's uncle Andrew Friday last night. A rising star on the pitch who idolised his father and helped the younger generations on their journey to become county players. Dozens of candles were lit along the benches where Dylan's family sat many times to cheer him on when he played on the pitch and with the teammates that he loved so much. There was no denying the grief, pain and hurt in the community last night 
but there was also a great sense of solidarity as people gathered in the vigil for Dylan Cork. That was something Father Tom Hearn attested to, telling Tib FM they would need to be there for one another in the many months ahead. It's just supporting each other to be there as possible as we possibly can for each other and that in the days, weeks and the months ahead that we'll be there as a community to support each other. Dylan's funeral will be celebrated on Tuesday, 12 noon, in John the Baptist Church, Canalty. There's still a sense of shock, not just in GAA circles, but across the entire county at his sudden passing. Timmy Hammersley got to know him when Dylan was just five or six and coaching him in primary school when he was playing in the parish league. Though there was a 10-year age gap, the pair went on to play senior hurling together for Clonauty Ross Moore. And Timmy spoke about Dylan earlier on Tip Today. My wide memory of Dylan when he was young is an innocent kid who really, really enjoyed hurling, really enjoyed friends, being around people happy. And I, why I respect Dylan and a huge time for me is that he literally carried on all those, all those characteristics into, into, into his 20s. Dylan will rely in repose at the family home this evening before his funeral mass on Tuesday in St. John the Baptist Church in Clonalty. There will be a one-way system in operation this evening for the reposal from Clune Cross with more restrictions for the funeral. Dylan was more than just a supremely talented hurler. That's according to local priest Father Matthew McGrath. Speaking on Tip Today earlier, he recalled an incident which occurred during the first lockdown of the COVID pandemic when there was a knock on his door one Saturday night. Who was at the door? Dylan Quirk. Father, yeah, we know you can't leave your house and we thought that you might need some foodstuffs. There's a hamper that's practical and that we hope will help you to cope in these days. Dylan Quirk to an old priest of like over 80 bringing a hamper as a father we were thinking of you oh god Dylan I didn't expect that father if we don't do that there would be a shortfall in our little Christian spirit St John the Baptist Church in Clonalty is overflowing this lunchtime as hundreds have turned out to bid farewell to Dylan Quirk the local community and the GA family have been coming to terms with the tragic death of the 24 year old hurling star after he took ill during a game with his Clonalty Rossmore club in Semple Stadium on Friday night last. Tip FM's Sheila Nocton is in Clonalty. The church here has been full since early this morning. A number of well-known members of the GAA community here today to support the Quirk family and show their solidarity with the community in deep grief. President of the GAA, Larry McCarthy, along with representatives from Munster GAA and the Kilroan McDonald's players who he was playing against on Friday. MEP Sean Kelly is also here to pay his respects, along with former Irish soccer player Niall Quinn, with condolences sent from President Michael D. Higgins and Antishuk. A guard of honour was held as the coffin was walked from his club to the church with the Tip Senior hurling team outside the pitch and the juvenile club players lining the path. As the ceremony began, in the arms of an angel was sung with parish priest Tom Hearn asking people to let the family grieve at this time. The first port of call was an offshore procession of gifts representing his life, a hurley to demonstrate his love of hurling, his trademark red helmet, his Clonalty Rossmore jersey along with his Tip jersey, and of course, a concert ticket and his lucky pants. The funeral continues here, Sheila Nocton, at St John the Baptist Church in Canaldi. Councillor Burgess told Tip FM that Dylan was a very helpful person who always went out of his way to help out in the community, club and represent his county. He says his absence will be felt for a long time. I think the community is numb at the moment. Like Dylan was a fantastic athlete. He was a fantastic ambassador, always willing to represent his club and county. And, you know, he represented it with distinction. So he's going to be sorely missed. The sting of this devastation is going to be here for a while. But I think it's really important that the community rallies behind the family and friends involved and, and be there for supporting them. You know, it's going to be a tough uh, road ahead. Some of his housemates had nothing better to be doing, so they went off down and they got a fist of two, two euro coins and they said they'd buy a tin of super do as well, and they did. And outside of a nightclub, they stuck a whole heap of two euro coins with you for super glue to the ground. And they stood back then in the cars and sat back and just watched all the people coming out and they're trying to pick the two euro coins off the ground. And they laugh and they laugh and they wait to their heart's content. You know, that's the kind of development and the roguery that we, you know legend who came in a fighter and left a champion. These were the words of the heartbroken father of Dylan Quirk, who passed away during a match at Semple Stadium in Thurless on Friday.
Over the last few days, the tributes have poured in from across the county and country, with many well-known faces in attendance at today's funeral in St John the Baptist Church in Canalty. The funeral service painted a full and clear picture of Dylan's life, from his sporting achievements at all ages, to the time he painted county council signs with the yellow and green Canalty colours, and gifts presented such as an apron saying I am the boss from his work colleagues, and of course his trademark red helmet. His uncle Andrew Friday delivered an emotional speech thanking all of those who had reached out, especially the Kilroan McDonough's team, who were Dylan's opponents on Friday, stating they'd been there every day since. In a short but poignant address by his father Dan, he thanked his wife Hazel for bringing up such a wonderful son, saying Dylan died triumphant. He came into this world a fighter, born prematurely after a terrible car accident. But in cool more terms, by God, he left the champion. We will miss you forever, Dylan, a true legend. The tones of Jerry Cinnamon's song Cantor were sung as the coffin was carried from the church by his teammates. In a poem read by Dylan's sister, Shannon, the final words rang out. Forever in our hearts, your fame and glory. Dylan Quirk is the name. Remember the story. Sheila Nocton for Tip FM News in Canalty. The CCC have refixed the round two games in the County Hurling Championship for the weekend of August 20th and 21st after they were called off last weekend. Clonalty Ross Moore and Kilroan McDonough's will meet at the RAG on the Saturday afternoon at 12.30. County Board PRO Jonathan Cullen says it's going to be a difficult time for both clubs. We will do everything we can to um, help and support both clubs and I suppose maybe in particular Clonalty Ross Moore. But, you know, you, you rightly said that Kilroan McDonough's can't be forgotten in, in all of this as well and you know, the part that they played, you know, in supporting the their, their colleague and, and their um, opposition on that night in, in Temple Stadium can never be forgotten either. But every support that is possible and anything that we can do and the GEA as a whole can do will be done and will be offered. A minute silence will be held at all the county football championship games this weekend in remembrance of Dylan Quirk. Tipperary hurling fans are being urged to make the trip to Waterford on Sunday to support Kilron McDonough's. The North Tip side take on Ballygunner in the Munster Club Senior Hurling quarterfinal, having clinched their first county title since 1985 last weekend. Reigning All-Ireland champions Ballygunner haven't played in over two months since they won the Waterford title. Kilron McDonough's got a standing ovation at the end of their Munster Senior Club Hurling Championship quarterfinal yesterday. They took on All-Ireland Club champions Ballygunner at Walsh Park, losing out on a scoreline of 4.19 to 14 points. Ballygunner are unbeaten in Championship Hurling since Boris Ali beat them in the 2020 Munster final. In a season that was marked by both tragedy and injury, Cullerwell McDonough's manager Liam O'Kelly said it brought them together with teams across the county. The reaction from the supporters yesterday was proof of that. Uh, I missed all the challenges we'd faced along the way and, you know, and uh, it's I know I can announce this today. You're playing the All Ireland Champions. You know we get our best shots. We came out fighting, and uh, you know I'm massively proud of the group of lads inside inside the change room. They're massively proud of them all. And in the last few weeks, the Quirk family have launched the Dylan Quirk Foundation to raise awareness of sudden adult death syndrome. The condition is said to claim 100 young lives in Ireland every year, and the foundation is using donations to help save lives by screening every GAA player, male and female, from the age of 12 onwards. So that's all we have time for this year. I hope you have a content new year and we'll be back with you again in 2023, no matter what it throws at us, making sure that you know what is happening in your local area. From me, Pat. From me, Paul. From me, Katie. And from me, Sheila. Happy New Year. And here's to 2023.